You are listening to Deeper Roots, a podcast to help equip the members of New Branch Community Church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information, visit newbranch.com. Welcome to Deeper Roots. This is Tyler, and I don't have Ken or Matt with us today, but I do have Miss Master Master Johnny. It's good to be here, Tyler. Thank you for yeah, having me on the absolutely. podcast. Today. And so Ken or Matt, we couldn't get schedules to align this week, but for uh, some of our more uh, our, our, our our steady listeners, your wife being one of them, I just couldn't stand. She is. I couldn't stand the idea of coming to uh, Monday and then having Kayla having Kayla text me and say, "Where's our Where's our episode for this week?" Yeah, she's very, very vigilant about uh, when the podcast comes out. So she's she's a big fan. So her and a number of others would have just missed if we didn't get an episode. But here we are, um, and we I think we have I think we we're getting something started today that I think will be a good uh, a good series um, that I hope to do with even some members from the church in the future. Uh, so we want to do this kind of testimony series, hearing stories of God's grace, and uh, you've volunteered to be our guinea pig today. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Jumping so, right in. So we just want to, I, I, if it works out, if it doesn't, then uh, whatever, it'll just be one episode <laughs> that no one remembers. But if it works out and, and it's uh, edifying to people, then I'd love to have other people in the future uh, hop on and share how God moved in their life to call them to call, call, uh, how God called the person to himself. So Amen. Yeah, I uh, think that'll be a great encouragement. So to the why, church. before we go in there, just talking about testimonies in general, what's the value of a testimony? Well, I think it, you know, it, it displays the, uh, the power of the gospel. Um, it, uh, it shows that God works the ordinary means in people's lives and, and shows that, uh, um, that even when we are running from him, rebelling against him, that, uh, that he uses the, the gospel to call people into himself. And it's encouraging to hear those stories. Yeah. I think when I hear, I mean, I love hearing someone's testimony. I think that it's so cool to hear how God like has moved in so many different ways for different people um, and how he uses ordinary people like to, to in as instruments to draw people in. Um, and, you know, there's testimonies all over the map from grew up in church and and still didn't know Jesus to uh, grew up and became a Christian at a young age to uh, all just became a believer later in life. And I, I think it's just uh, really encouraging. And I think it also um, spurs on evangelism. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, hearing, hearing somebody's story and how they've uh, come to know the Lord, it, it encourages um, the church to, to see that God is still working in powerful ways uh, in people's lives. And, and so it spurs on faithfulness to evangelism for sure. That's one thing I would say as we're, as we're listening to someone's testimony to just listen to, 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 to just listen to um, the, the, the ways in which people were instruments in God's plan. Like, and so we'll even point out some of those t- today with you. So as our guinea pig, uh, let's get into it. Um, let's do it. When did you, uh, when did you become a Christian? So I became a Christian on October the 6th, 2011, uh, my junior year at Clemson. So I know most people can't remember a particular day, but, um, uh, for me, uh, I'm, I, I, there's a particular day that I, I can remember. Uh, I don't think that's always the case, um, by any means, but, uh, in my story, that's, that's the case. And that was, 
October the 6th, 2011. Did you just say that? I did just say that, but but that's okay. I'll yeah. say it again. Okay. Well, October 6th, 2011, <laughs> you became a Christian, even at a place as godless as Clemson. The Lord hey, was you working. Know, I, you know, Clemson is God's country, and, you know, he, that's that's where that's where I came to faith in Christ. You know, I know we're in Bulldog country here, but, um, you know, uh, I, I've got to give a shout out for my Tigers. Yes. So, okay, uh, became a Christian at uh, your junior year. Did you grow up in church? So my, my family and I, we went to church uh, until I was about 10 years old. We went to United Methodist Church, and uh, we stopped going, yeah, whenever I was around 10. Okay. But grew up in South Carolina. Yeah, I grew up in South Carolina. So I would have, you know, just culturally speaking, I would have said I was a Christian and that, you know, I was a follower of Jesus. But uh, to be honest, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what the gospel uh, was. I, I couldn't have articulated that. Uh, it had no impact on my life. It hadn't transformed me or anything. And so uh, I was just a, a, you know, a cultural Christian, I guess you could say. Yeah. You lived in the South. You drank sweet tea. Exactly. So you must be a Christian. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. So, um, so then you go from, from, you know, living at home, whatever, and you go off to college. Yeah. Yeah. So li- from living at home, go off to college, go to Clemson, uh, and, you know, really get, you know, just into the party scene there, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, made a lot of new friends and just, uh, got into, um, yeah, the, the, just living out the party lifestyle, the typical college, you know, uh, party lifestyle that you would, you could imagine. And, and, uh, so that was kind of the way that I went, uh, throughout my, my freshman year, uh, my junior year or freshman and sophomore year. Um, and then, uh, the junior, junior years, whenever the Lord uh, really began to, to do a work in my heart. So what did that look like? Like what sparked the, what was the beginning of him drawing you to? We know that we know now it's the Holy Spirit, like convicting you. And we have like the theology of like, it was God drawing you in, but what did, what were the, what did that actually look like? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I began to start feeling some conviction of sin. I, I was going to a church, um, nearby with some family members that, that were attending there. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I was reading the Bible a little bit and, and that sort of thing. So I was starting to feel some conviction, but then it was really whenever one of my roommates, uh, he invited me to go to FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, an on, a campus organization, campus ministry uh, at Clemson, uh, you know, meet on Thursday nights at 9.19 a.m. or p.m. And, uh, and, you know, he invited me and I went for several weeks uh, to FCA with him. And it was October 6th, uh, 2011, where really just the Lord uh, did a work in my heart. And uh, um, it, it's actually kind of neat. Uh, that night, I, I didn't uh, take notes personally, but uh, Kayla, uh, my wife, she was actually there. I didn't know her at the time. She was actually there that night. It was her sophomore year at Clemson. And we actually went back years later and looked and you know found the date. Uh, found uh, the note, her notes, and you know the preacher just you know simply walked through the gospel, and it was just clear that uh, man that God is is a holy God, and you know we are uh, sinful and we've rebelled against Him, and and the only uh, hope that we have to rescue uh, to be rescued from our sin and death is is through faith in Christ, and uh, God powerfully worked in in me that that evening and uh, and rescued me, and and I would say that that's the day that uh, that the Lord saved me, and uh, and so yeah, that's that's how that happened. So Clemson, Clemson's always had like a large FCA and typically at a lot of places, people think of FCA as Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But uh, if I remember correctly from other friends I've had, FCA at Clemson is like more 
broad than just that. Yeah, yeah. There there were athletes that went, but it was it was you know for the general student body. It, so, it was it so wasn't you just come together at nine nineteen p.m. and that's like a basically a worship service. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's a worship service. So it's you know uh, you know pray together, uh, sing worship songs, and and then somebody a guest preacher comes in and and preaches the word um, that that evening, and so it's, it's kind of a typical worship. Sure. You know, like service. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people would be there at that FCA? Uh, well, we would fill out Tillman Hall. Uh, so uh, I don't remember how many it seats, but I think in the neighborhood of maybe 500 to 1,000 people. Wow. Something like that. So this is a big, this yeah. Is a big yeah. thing. How did you end up at FCA on October 6th, 20, 2011? Yeah, so my roommate just uh, uh, he had been inviting me to go to uh, to FCA for the the several previous weeks, and I just continued to go and um, and so he he was going that night, and and uh, uh, I went with him as well, and he he, he uh, invited me to go along. So that's he, that's so you had a, he was a Christian. Yes. Yep, yeah. Yep. So I think that's one of those points that's like encouraging. What I, absolutely what I like you just have you know someone somewhere is praying for a roommate, they're praying for a neighbor, or whatever, and. This guy just took the step to invite you, and it was used in God's plan. Absolutely, yeah. We he was my roommate. He was one, you know, one of my best friends, and uh, you know, got he just you know through building a relationship with me over the, over the first three years of college, um, and uh, you know, he just simple invitation to sure. to come to a work, you know, to FCA, and that's the the ordinary means that God used to uh, to get me to the place where I would hear the gospel and and be saved. Yeah, and I think. Uh, you grew up cultural Christian. You yes. kind of had a value for church. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of times we think to just broaden out and then we'll get back to your story. A lot of times we think like, I'm just going to share the gospel with someone for a while before I invite them to church, uh, which is fine. Like that's a, that's probably in post-Christian world or for someone that's not or is completely unchurched, that's the like mission evangelism strategy we have to have. Yeah, but I'm not ready to give away just simple invitations to church. Like I'm not yeah. ready to get rid of that for a lot for our culture. There's a lot yeah. of people that would say I, they would have a value for church, um, and they would say, "Yeah, I should be going to church." Um, yeah, I'm, they just because they grew up in it, and so I think that's probably what what you would say is probably like what led you to just accept of like, "Yeah, church is a good thing. Jesus is a good thing," and then you realize, yeah. "Oh no, I wasn't a Christian at all." Yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I perceive it as a as a as a benefit, as a good thing, and so absolutely, I think there's a place for invitations, especially within our culture, our context where we're at in, in the South. Um, you know, and sometimes those invitations can even spark those gospel conversations. Yeah. You know, you you know, uh, you, it may spark questions from the person you're inviting. Well, what do you guys do there? What do you guys believe? And then yeah. it and it opens up the door for conversations to to share the gospel with people as well. Yeah, and I we don't. I was actually having this this very conversation with a member here recently. We don't make our services all about a non-believer, but I think that any of us that preach and the way that we've put our services together, we would want people, non-believers, to be able to understand what's happening. And I think Absolutely. you'll notice on a Sunday, even from the elder prayer to the way that sermons are put together. I know Ken's conscious of it. Uh, you, I'm conscious of it when I preach. Matt is like you hear appeals to non-believers. You hear if you are here today and you aren't a Christian, like we know that we hope that those kinds of people are uh, looking in on our Sunday morning gathering that is primarily about 
um, that is primarily about feeding the saints and it's about worshiping God and coming together for all of those things. So it's not tailored to the non-believer, um, but we hope that it would be uh, intelligible to the non-believer and that they would still find some benefit from it. So. Absolutely. And we want our believers to to have the, you know, in the way that we preach and uh, the way that we pray or, or whatever, um, we want our church to, to know that, hey, this is a normal thing, an expectation yeah. that we would have non-believers in our presence. And and this is a, you know, that's a, that's a, a way for our, our, our members to realize, hey, I can invite my lost friends here and they will be able to follow. And, you know, yeah, they'll be able to follow along uh, we're going to, I think, preach every week as if we have, again, as if we have non-believers present, which, it ha- which you know, means explaining some things, uh, some Christianese or whatever, but it also means being respectful to the dignity of a non-believer and the in image of God that's in them uh, and realizing that we were all there um, except for this kind of God working in our life. So, I, yeah, and, and you say... Uh, that invitation can absolutely be um, that place where if they say, you know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I'm not coming to church with you. They say, oh, if you, you know, you can, there's follow up that you can do there. So I do think evangelism is primarily something that we should be doing, like maybe beyond the church walls, but the Sunday morning gathering is definitely a tool for evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, what would you know? Tyler goes off on a tangent about evangelism. <laughs> uh, it's always good to talk about. Always good Amen. to talk about. So, um, all right. So you had been sporadically attending church even prior to um, becoming a Christian, uh, your junior year at this FCA. Um, and then what happened? What was what was what did life look like after God saved you? Yeah. So uh, after God saved me, I really had a hunger for the word and I just put together a plan. I just read four chapters a day, just Genesis to Revelation. Uh, so I had a hunger for the word and was spending time in prayer um, and was continuing to go to FCA. But for you, you put know, together a plan. I did. I that did. I had. I had. I just. I, I divided. I had to count up all the chapters in the Bible, and I was like, divided it by you know fifty two or, or, or three hundred sixty five. It does and, not surprise me that you put together a plan. <laughs> uh, so, so you read. What do you say that? So you put. You read through the whole Bible as I a did. new believer. I did. Yes, I did. Um, and, uh, and you didn't lose your way in like Leviticus. You just kept going. I kept going uh, by God's grace, you know, to, I, to be honest with you, a lot of it was kind of going over my head. I didn't really know what was going on, but I just kept on plugging away. And I was like, you know, I know that I, I want to know who God is. And, you know, this is where God reveals himself. And um, so for that first year, or roughly year, I, I was really kind of a lone ranger Christian in, mm-hmm. a, in a lot of sense. Um, but then beginning of my, my senior year at Clemson, that's when I really got plugged into a small group at FCA, was continuing to go to FCA on Thursday nights. Uh, was going to a, a church in the area on Sunday mornings, and I was also connected to a, a small group at uh, Cross Point Church, which is one of our sister churches uh, that's in the Pillar Network, and um, and and really started to grow uh, from each of those uh, those those environments. So you're going to FCA small group, different church, and then Cross Point small group. Yes. That sounds super typical of college, like <laughs> college Christian. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I had the time. I had the flexibility yeah. to be able to do that because I didn't have any other, you know, mate, you know, I had sure. school. Thankfully, I didn't have to work a job or anything, but I had the ability to the, the bandwidth to be able to go and do all those things, which was which was a blessing to, to me as a young believer. 
Yeah. So you get plugged into this. Uh, where would you say like the most impactful like discipling? I mean, obviously you've come a long way from uh, getting saved really later in life in college. Yeah. Uh, what was the most impactful disciple discipling that happened for you? Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say the small group at, from Crosspoint. Um, there. You know, we uh, we, we met, um, weekly and, you know, we're just discussing the, it was sermon discussion, uh, from, from the previous Sunday, which was I wasn't really attending there, <laughs> so the sermon didn't hurt. but it was still, uh, really impactful for me to hear those, to hear the discussion and to really learn, you know, uh, you know, what, what the word actually says. And, um, and, and a lot of times I would read the text, you know, beforehand if I knew what it was, but I, you know, I wasn't really going there on Sundays. Um, but, but yes, that, that, that was the primary means, but then also the small group leader was meeting up with me outside of the, the small group gathering. And we were going through Mark Devers, like what is a healthy church, the smaller short version of uh, nine marks of a healthy church. And so uh, I really started to formulate my think, my understanding of uh, what the church is biblically speaking. Yeah. That's, that's all. I, I, it's awesome to hear of a church in a college town uh, really trying to anchor college students to the local church because I think for a lot a lot of times it's it's easy uh, for myself I was not really that connected to the local church my one year at a state state university and I think that if I could give one encouragement to any college student or any person going off to college campus ministries are great parachurch ministries are great get connected to a local church you need Absolutely. to be connected to a local church Absolutely. so it's awesome to hear uh, that so get connected. He starts reading along books with you. Um, so you're, so now there's another gathering. You're, you're, you got FCA <laughs> small group, you got cross point small group, you got going to another church on Sunday and now you're meeting one-on-one with this guy periodically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and reading the Bible, growing in the word, all of that. So you, you, you said before, like you were living like the college lifestyle, the partying lifestyle, typical, yeah. whatever. Did that just like stop in a moment on October 6th? No, no, it, it didn't. Uh, you know, it, it was definitely still a temptation for me to go sure. into that lifestyle. And I kind of thought, oh, I can kind of be a part of this and I can kind of, you know, manage myself and still honor God. But, you know, my 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 flesh was too weak and I uh, just was was falling into sin and temptation. Um, so I had to just really kind of separate myself from that party lifestyle and <clears throat> not engage in that. And, um, and really a lot of the friends that I had made over the, my first three, you know, two and a half years at Clemson, you know, kind of had to start to distance myself a little bit just because I, I was so tempted to fall into sin. Um, <clears throat> you know, at that time I, you know, uh, was in a relationship with a girl. I got out of that relationship by God's grace. And so there was just a lot of conviction over sin. And it was, it was a process. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like immediate, um, but it was a process of battling against the, the, the desires of the flesh. And, sure. you know, I, w- I wanted to honor God, but I just, my flesh was weak. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a process. Yeah, for sure. Sanctification is a process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things I wanted to highlight is you're not like, I, not all of this, just, you're not, you're not sanctified in one like fell swoop and then, you know, um, but, th- but it is a, it is a process and it is the Holy spirit convicting you of this and then convicting you of that. And, uh, for me, it's the Holy spirit convicting me of something. And, uh, particularly at that age, it was like, okay, all right, I hear you, but no, 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 no. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, um, eventually like 
being overwhelmed by that conviction and saying, if I, if I'm, if I'm truly going to be walk with Jesus, if I've truly given my life over to Jesus, I have to obey Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember times just in, uh, honestly, just committing sin and, and being and like weeping over my sin after, after becoming a, a believer. Cause I, I so wanted to honor the Lord with my life. And I knew that what I was doing was wrong, but it was just, my flesh was so weak. And so there were times, you know, in my, you know, apartment room, just in Clemson that I, I was literally weeping over my sin because I, you know, I was just so convicted by it and I, and I didn't want to continue to do that. And I wanted to honor the Lord with my life. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's typical, right? Like the, the, what you want to see the fruit in a new believer's life is that conviction of sin. Mm -hmm. And you want it to be the godly sorrow that leads to Mm -hmm. repentance that Corinthians talks about and not just some worldly sorrow where you're like sad that you got caught or Mm -hmm. whatever, or you're mad because you feel guilty or something like that. But you want to see that godly sorrow that says I've offended a holy Mm -hmm. and righteous God. Uh, I was bought at a price and um, I'm not walking in the, I'm not walking uh, in a way that's keeping with my salvation and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. That's, that's, you know, that's what you want to see. And we take steps in that uh, really until we go to be yeah. with the Lord or, yeah. I mean, that's still the process that we're in now. Amen. So, okay. You go from, from now you're starting to get discipled. You've, you've got saved you. You're starting to be discipled. Uh, you're growing in your knowledge of the word. And then at some point, like God lays ministry on your heart. Yeah. How so, that happen? yeah, yeah. So really at the beginning of my senior year at Clemson, uh, for the first time, uh, in my life, uh, you know, and as a new believer, uh, I was a, a believer, not a year yet, maybe eight or nine months. And I, you know, I just started praying, you know, God, what's your, what's your will for my life? I'd planned, been planning to go to physical therapy school. And I had already had those applications in. I had, you know, interviews lined up for different uh, schools for that. And, you know, just started to feel this sense of calling to ministry. And I was just overwhelmed by that. Like, God, you got to be kidding me. Like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, an eight or nine month old Christian. And how, how could I, how could you use me? And, um, you know, I still feel like that, you know, some, sure. some nowadays. Sure. But, uh, but particularly in that time, and I didn't know what that meant. Uh, I didn't know what the next step would be. I didn't know anything really about seminaries. I didn't know about different internship opportunities. And, uh, so really for, um, most of my senior year until the spring, of my senior year, I was, I remember times just pleading with God, God, you've got to open up a door for me. You got to give me wisdom and direction on what you're, what you're leading me to do, because I don't know, like, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a senior, I, you know, I'm kind of changing all the, you know, God's working on me and, you know, changing these plans in my life. And, um, you just pleading with God to, to open up a door, um, uh, for, for me to, uh, uh, yeah, to go into to, to ministry and what the next steps were. And so I, uh, I actually, funny story, I, I ended up going to Crosspoint Church on a Sunday morning because Clemson basketball, you know, had a game <laughs> game at noon and uh, the other church I was going at had an 11 o'clock service. And so you wouldn't I, have made the game. I went, yeah, I, I wouldn't have made the game. And so I, uh, I had to go to, I, had, I went to Crosspoint, I think it was an eight or 9 a.m. service. And, uh, you know, in God's providence, that Sunday uh, morning, I think it was a March, uh, March of 2009 or 2013, excuse me. And uh, there was uh, pamphlets on the uh, on the seats uh, for Generation Link, for Summer Link uh, opportunities. And so in that moment, God, you know, just I felt God leading me after months and months of praying and seeking God's will. Um, I felt called to, to go to Boston to serve uh, for a summer internship. And that's, you know, uh, ended up raising support. And ended up in Boston for six weeks, and then ended up going out there for a year and a half, uh, where I served as a Generation Link resident. 
And then from your connection with Boston, with Redemption, Redemption Hill, right? Yep. Uh, and Crosspoint and Pillar Network is actually what landed you here. At exactly. Branch. Yeah, so, New Branch was sending teams up to all Boston. All because Clemson had a basketball game. <laughs> anyway, I love how God just uh, takes our poor motives. Um, yes. Uh, like we're doing things just because out of some whatever. And he's like, well, I can use that because of this providence and his sovereignty just orchestrating things. So... That's um, right. Like that he 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 wanted you at that church that day to hear about that thing. Yeah. And you're there because of a basketball game. <laughs> so it doesn't take the responsibility off us for our motives, but God God works through. Yeah. Amen. Um, so then you go, you intern there, start going to Southeastern shortly after that, or when did yeah. you start? Yeah, so January two thousand fourteen is when I started at Southeastern. That's when I moved it to Boston to serve up there for a year and a half. Yeah. So, uh, and then I graduated from Southeastern in uh, May of 2018 uh, while I was serving on staff here at New Branch. Which is why you get the nickname Master Johnny. That's right. That's but, right. Yes. Um, because you have a master's degree. <laughs> so you're Master Johnny. And I, you don't like being called Master Johnny. I and don't. So, I don't know. Um, but that's I'm what Tyler calls me all the time. So now I'm sharing that it. with the whole church. You can <laughs> call him Master Johnny or J Mac. Do you have any other nicknames while we're on it? Um, I had all kinds of names. No, 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 no. Like I don't need to hear about that. So. But any other nicknames around here right now? Oh, no, around here, no. Uh, okay, just John, must- Johnny. Some of the some of the Doxa uh, guys will call me Johnny. That's and that's what honestly all my college buddies called me yeah. Johnny, and uh, so I have have that as well. But so Master Johnny <laughs> and J Mac. So, that's right. That's right. Which is a story we won't get into though, J Mac, because you're J. You should be J Mitch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You can get into that. People yeah. can come talk to you. It'll be a conversation opener. Jonathan, yeah, that's why, right. Yeah, you Master can, Johnny. You why can do they call it. you J Mac? Yeah. Um. So then, and uh, go to seminary, start serving in the church. Um. And now here we are as a fellow elder here. Yeah. At the church so, by God's grace. By God's grace. Uh. Man, I uh, I just love that. I think to go back to like testimonies and the value of them, uh, sometimes, especially like in the circles that I grew up in, uh, anytime someone shared a testimony, they were like sharing that testimony because it was like uh, they came out of like something super like salacious or scandalous or mm-hmm. whatever, in the even in the world's eyes of like, I was walking and this whatever whatever and i was like you know you just hear like the the crazy uh horror story type testimonies uh but the fact is is that for someone like you and someone like me if i share at some point in the future uh our sin before the lord was just as scandalous absolutely like whatever other kind of stuff uh, his grace in saving us is just as amazing. Saving someone from whatever it was, even if they were saved at six at VBS at their you know local Baptist church, uh, the 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 scandal of offending a holy righteous God is just as scandalous. And the grace of God to cover over our sin uh, that He sent Jesus to die in our place that we deserve mm-hmm. to be on that cross, whatever our sin was, we deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that he died in our place so that we can, uh, by faith can be saved from our sins. That's, that's a great story regardless of what yeah. happens. Amen. That's an so. incredible story. A dead sinner being made alive by grace through faith in yeah. Christ. And I'm encouraged when we tell this, when you, like when you tell, tell the story and this is how I would encourage other people to share, even in base groups or whatever. I think it's good to have context for people's lives. 
I'm also encouraged by the sanctification parts, mm-hmm. how God s- surrounds people with people to disciple them, mm-hmm. um, how he gives people a hunger for the word. I think that's a hallmark of, of uh, fruit in a Christian's life and a new mm. believer's life is that they have a hunger for the word. Mm. Um, and th- yeah, he just continues to work and is continuing to work. Yeah. Um, we're not um, contrary even to the, the theology I grew up in. We're not like sanctified and reached some kind of level where we're good to go now. Uh, but this is a, this is an ongoing process that continues on for the rest of our life. Absolutely. So, um, well, I think that, pretty well wraps up our episode. We got an episode recorded without Matt or Ken. Um, it'll probably be our least listened to episode because everybody likes those guys better. <laughs> but thank you for coming and thank you for recording with us. And uh, you can now Kayla can know that we have an episode for her. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Tyler, for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.